right, welcome back. After uh, most of our summer is gone, we are back for another broadcast of uh, the Scronko podcast. Um, and of course, Coach Lane is with me. But before we get started, we just want to say um, hello to everyone and let you know uh, um, our wrestlers and our wrestling families, we love you guys. Um, we miss you. We know that we're not going to be back on the mat probably as soon as we want to be, but we will We will be back on the mat. We, we will get there. And it's, this is just something that... Um, it sucks, um, but if we can all do what we're supposed to be doing, that gets us back onto campus sooner um, and out of distance learning, and that obviously gets us one step closer to be on the mat. But we did want to know that, uh, want you guys to know that we love you, we miss you, uh, we're thinking about you all the time, um, and, and still talking about wrestling all the time. So uh, I miss everybody. Uh, Coach Lane, I was going to say up. I miss everybody, and um, you know, I've been lately. I've been really motivated just seeing this as adversity, like a challenge, opportunity for me to. Uh, to see how I respond, right, with all this, with the quarantine and coronavirus and getting out of my house and exercising and doing the right things. Like, I've been actually really motivated lately, going back and rereading a lot of stuff. I'm like, all right, let's do this. You know, this is a cool <laughs> opportunity for me. So um, I wanted to uh, – I'm not even going to introduce you guys. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. But I want to thank you guys for being on the podcast with us. Just so everybody knows, we met uh, these two guys online via Twitter – um, who went through the same positive coaching program at Mizzou as uh, Coach Smith as, and I did and Coach Lee did as well. And um, we asked them to come on to Zoom and do a little podcast with us, and they agreed. So I'm really excited to have these guys on here, Greg Koenig and um, Matt Marcinick. Is that how you say it, Marcinick? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Matt, you want to start by introducing yourself, just a little background and who you are? and all yeah. Absolutely. So my name is Matt Marcinick. I am a mental performance coach as well as a grappling coach in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, I like The Office for all you Netflix fans. Um, just like The Office. <laughs> I have a little bit of a unique story in that uh, at nine months old, I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. I can't walk. But <clears throat> in, in, um, in addition to when I was diagnosed, in addition to not – being told that I would never be able to walk. Um, <clears throat> the neurologist also told my parents that I would never be able to um, do things like speak, uh, hold the pencil, write, feed, or dress myself, basically any of life's <clears throat> daily functions. And uh, what they told my parents is that maybe I would be better off to be put in a facility and to never look back. Um, <clears throat> Thank God that my parents didn't agree. Oh man! Because <laughs> I've been I've been able to do a lot of cool stuff in my life. Um, in addition to getting my master's in positive coaching, I'm also an Eagle Scout. I am a um, I'm a four strike purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I am a brown belt in Judo. Um, <clears throat> I went through a ten year losing streak in both of those um, sports. Uh, I had a record of 0 and 80 until May of 2013 when I was finally able to win my first match. Um, so I've been able to achieve a lot, and a lot of that has to do with my mindset. And that's all positive. That's how I got to the positive coaching route. You know, everything just kind of fell together. So here I am, and I'm looking forward to talking with you guys and learning a, a bit about your program and hopefully teaching you guys something too. That is incredible. That's phenomenal. As, as soon as you started that, and that, like when they said 
the doctor told your parents like they already like your life story, what you're going to be able to do. And then here you are with finished your master's degree. I mean, that's incredible. Thank you to judo. I mean, you're, you're coaching other people now, dude. That's, that's inspiring. That's really inspiring. Thank you very much. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, coach, uh, Koenig, do you want to introduce yourself too as well? Yeah. Thanks for making me follow Matt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My bad. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's really an honor, um, to, to connect with other coaches who went through the program. Uh, Matt and I actually were going through the, the master's program at the exact same time in class because of that. And, and, uh, his story is obviously very inspirational. Um, I started teaching and coaching in the public schools in 1990. So I've been at this a long time. I'm entering my 31st year. Hey, um, we started in the same year. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're the so old we're dogs. Very young, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I've had opportunities to move around. I've coached at small schools in both uh Colorado and Kansas. I'm back in Colorado after 15 years in Kansas. Head football coach. I'm actually starting at a new school this fall. Oh, wow. Which in the middle of the whole pandemic oh, is a real challenge yeah. trying to meet our athletes, um, get them to our summer workouts. It's been a real challenge. But uh, the the thing that I've noticed is all of the little things, you know, that, that come with the, the positive coaching degree and, and that whole program. Um, it, it, as Coach Lane said earlier, just um, the reminders about mindset and about how we need to embrace this adversity and um, grow through the whole process. And, and even after 30 years, I think that we as teachers and coaches still have that opportunity to grow and, and improve um, and, and never settle you know, for where we are, even though I've been blessed with a lot of success, I, I have players playing at, at division one football, you know, we competed for a state championship. Um, wow. There's always room for improvement and growth. So uh, this is really cool to, to connect with everyone here and to see what you guys are doing with the program. And hopefully, you know, just have an opportunity to add a little bit to, to your uh, philosophy and, and reach some of your athletes as well. You know, I, 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 and I'll, I'll just add on to that as somebody else who went through the program, you know, when they were later on in their career, that you're, you're always learning. And I went in expecting to learn, definitely, mm-hmm. as far as coaching and teaching was concerned. What I didn't expect was for it to be life-changing for me. Mm-hmm, it, right. it, it really has changed the way I look at things and the way I handle things and given me tools um, to be a better coach and better teacher and a, a better friend, family member. Um, so I think that's something we can always push to people, no matter how old or young they are, that you're always in growth mode. You never stop. There's always something to learn. There's always a way to grow as a person um, and in your career with your family. So I'm I'm glad you you threw those words in there because that's, that's, and I like what Koenig said about uh, never, never settle. I love that. Stay hungry, stay ambitious, always learn, always be willing to change, Um, staying vulnerable, right. And having feedback, um, I'm just finishing a book by, uh, by Jim Mattis right now, Call Sign Chaos on Leadership. And um, he talks about that, about never settling and always learning and always, you know, never think that you know everything, you know what I mean? And how dangerous that is to think that you're yeah. like the best and all that. So it's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. 
Um, you know, honestly, that's... going through the program, I think it was humbling at times because oh, yeah. I, I had had quite a bit of experience and a lot of positive experience <laughs> as a coach. Um, but it, it really forced me to to look at, okay, just because you've had success doesn't mean that's the only way. You know, what can you learn? How can you continue to grow? I love that. I love that. And asking ourselves those questions regularly, right? And like guiding yeah. us on the daily. I love that. And um, for us, our both of our programs, Dana and I, another guy that was with us in the program, I mean, we saw immediate huge gains in both of our programs, Um just from all of this, right? And um, it was just, it's been really fun. It's been really cool. And I, and I love this opportunity to, to reach out and talk to other coaches who went through it, helps me stay fresh with all my ideas and to learn from you guys. And you guys are inspiring, motivating me. I'm like, all right, I want to get back to it. You know, <laughs> like, let's go, you know? Um, so this is fun. So uh, we're going to, you guys ready to start uh, the interview? Start asking you guys some questions and we'll just kind of go off of that. All right. So first question to coach Koenig, just straight up, um, straight up general question. Why do you coach? I coach because it's a great opportunity to invest in the lives of young people. I'm a head football coach and assistant track coach. That'll be my coaching assignments, but I'm also um, transitioning from 30 years of teaching high school English, um, the last 15 to 16 years, I've also had a role in uh, the strength and conditioning and, and had a couple of classes there, but I'll be full-time strength and conditioning. So I just have all of these opportunities to, to invest in the lives of young people, to challenge them to be their best. Um, I was really blessed with great teachers and coaches when I was young. So I see my opportunity as a teacher and a coach to give back, um, to make a, a positive impact, to help young people to become responsible and productive citizens, um, to, to be great parents when they get to that point in their lives, um, ju just to have that impact on young people and to, to know that that's kind of, you know, our life's mission as coaches. Um, it, it's so much more rewarding than, than, okay, we won that game against our league rival. You know, that's a big deal. But it's nowhere near as big once you understand the, the why behind what we're doing. Um, you know, I share with, with our team all the time, uh, our job as coaches is to love our, our athletes, and their job as athletes is to love each other, to love their teammates. And when we understand that, the, the wins take care of themselves. The, the success takes care of itself. So, so my why is to really deeply invest myself through the relationships with my players, with all of the athletes that I have an opportunity to meet, um, and with my coaches as well, with my assistant coaches, mm -hmm. with, with my colleagues. I think that that can be easy to overlook. I think sometimes we know that we have to shape and mold um, the young people that we have the opportunity to, to interact with, but... I think adults as well. It's what we've been talking about. There's always room for growth. So how can I invest in their lives as well? I love, love, love that answer. That's fantastic. Took a lot of the words right out of my mouth. But, um, <laughs> a lot of it is like the bigger picture, the grand scheme of things, right? Instead of doing win at all costs for the that league championship or section championship, it's about teaching those life lessons, right? And building, building like the social, emotional character of your student athletes for long-term you know, well-being, right? Overall well-being for them and, um, and using sport as a tool to do that, right? And um, Exactly. 
Gosh, I, I think I, when I, you. I'm sorry, Garrett. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. I, I just think when you look at that and almost like working, planning backwards of start off with your, uh, what do I want my legacy to be when I'm done with this? And yeah. if you think about that, well, you're never going to say win loss record because that's not going to mean anything. You know, when, when we're gone from this earth, that win loss record isn't going to mean anything. But what we did with people will for sure. Well, and like, Koenig, you wanna, uh, I'm sorry. I, say like Koenig Koenig said, I know there's a little delay on the Zoom. So <laughs> I keep cutting you off. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say, like Coach Koenig said, if you take care of all those other things, the wins will take care of themselves. I remember that from the, um, the Coach Wooden book. He talked about that, how he never talked about winning or championships. He took care of all the other stuff first. And then the winning just takes care of itself, you know, afterwards. And that's so true. That's so true. I love that. I love that. Matt, you want to add to that? Why yeah, do you coach? Sure. Why do you for coach? Sure. Why do I coach? Sure. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> one, um, because believe it or not, I've actually had a couple of what I would consider to be bad coaches yep. um, in, in my, in my career. And <clears throat> bad in the fact that um they kind of lost sight of of my goals as an athlete like mm. believe it or not having cerebral palsy a lot of people think that i'm <clears throat> that i was just in it in it and but i was in it when um i am a <clears throat> i am a relentless competitor <laughs> um <clears throat> i hate losing more than anything on the, on the face of the earth. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of times I think that they, they lost sight of that. And, you know, they thought that I was there, um, I'll just say it, like, to um, make them money because they were like, look at what I did for this kid in a wheelchair, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so for a large part of my grappling career, I did not have a quote-unquote coach. I I had my best friend, and we traveled the country, and we went to different places, uh, <clears throat> training and learning from the best coaches that we knew. Um, we went up and down the East Coast, um, you know, trying to get as good as we could. And, um, you know, <clears throat> as I grew older, as I matured, um, kind of became my mission to <laughs> never be the type of coach that let me down. So like, you know, like, and not contrary to the positive coaching mindset or beliefs, but like when people say that winning isn't important, I'm like, no, no, no. Winning is important to me, right. <laughs> but, we're, but we're going to do it in the correct manner. Yep. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to take all of my, <clears throat> athletes goals to heart I'm going to help them in the best way possible and as a person <clears throat> who has faced a tremendous amount of adversity in his life I'm going to help them embrace the ad adversity and give them ways to overcome it and not see it as sort of like a crippling event or just like a bump in the road you know so that's and, and then that carries on with it, you know, no matter how much we may win or lose, you're always going to carry that lesson with you around. So, you know, it all kind of comes together and blends together, uh, believe it or not, like seamlessly. 
Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, this is going to be really hard to keep up with this pace of great answers all the way through this. <laughs> I know. Yeah, just I, cut, cut your own workout for you here. Not, <laughs> all right, Matt, think, Matt, you're going to be – I'm sorry, Garrett. I, I keep cutting you off. <laughs> no, you, I think I cut you off. Whatever. It's the Zoom yeah. delay thing. All right. Um, all we'll settle say, this later, pal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say, as I love the what you said about like how to deal with adversity. That that stay those those coping skills those stay with you for the rest of your life, right? And sure. learning, learning. Some of us get to learn at an early age, and some of us don't learn to a later age or maybe some people a lot of people don't learn those skills at all so when they face adversity you know maybe they're in their 30s they get fired or whatever and they have this adversity or relationship or whatever and they don't have those coping skills on how to respond to that adversity so and it's kind of it's kind of special that you guys are wrestling coaches and obviously you know with coach Koning, like we could take that from football but <clears throat> There's something a little bit different with the combat sports, which is why I love them so much in that <laughs> I say this all the time to the fighters that I work with and, and athletes that I work with. With combat sports, there's not really a sport where you just always kind of hope to get to baseline. Like highs are 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 so fleeting and the lows you could stay in the lows all the time if you wanted to like most of the time you're just praying to stay in that middle baseline <laughs> and level where you're like okay so like there's always some type of adversity or opponent you know metaphorical opponent that you have to overcome yeah and, and if you don't have those coping skills you're you're dysfunctional really <laughs> oh you you're know? done <laughs> yeah you're, you're done like you're you're pretty right. well you're pretty well cooked because nothing um you know, nothing really, like with team sports, like you have, another, you have, you know, 11 other individuals that, you know, you could always like <clears throat> rely on or, you know, Fine. even though this is a good thing, you could always place the blame on somebody, you know, this person <laughs> didn't, didn't, uh, didn't make their block or whatever, like, you know, combat sports, it's you and you're out there and you're, you know, you're, you're out there bear for the whole world to see and like there's nowhere to run or hide so um mental performance and <clears throat> and like that sort of like counseling it, it's it's not only useful it's pretty much necessary right i agree right. i agree um, matt you get the you get the next question first you ready sure. gotcha. uh so what impact has positive coaching had on your performance as a coach and the performance of your athletes? Man, <clears throat> I mean, so <laughs> my coming into the program, my story helped my impact in the positive coaching program because I was able to relate a lot <clears throat> Of my struggle into the things that we learned, um, whether it was in um, intro to psych or you know intro to, intro to positive psych and stuff like that. Yep. But um, also, you know, having a guy like like Doctor O, who like we could, like I could just say, you know, I, I could ask him like a thousand questions, he wouldn't care, he'd answer every single one of them and then give me tidbits 
and <clears throat> relate my story back to an athlete that he worked with. So now, so now when I'm working with an athlete, I remember, oh, Dr. O told me about blah, 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 back in the day. Let me see if this works with this athlete. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it does. And to be honest, um, so it's a little hard to, I'll, I'll be honest, mental performance, it's, it's a little hard to get people to buy in right away, right? They don't know what it is. They think it's, they think you're going to see a sports psychologist. They think that they're crazy. You know, they think that they're, they're weak-minded, you know, stuff like that, <laughs> like that. But this past year, I really had like my first fighter, like fully buy in trust. He's a trading partner of mine, but <clears throat> he, um, he dealt with a little bit of adversity in his first couple fights. And I just went up to him at the gym and I was like, dude, <clears throat> I want to work with you. And he was like a little apprehensive. I'm like, you don't have to pay me any money. Don't worry about it. I just want to work with you. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, took a little convincing, but I was like, <clears throat> I told him, I was like, I promise you, once we're done, I got you. You're going to be good. And uh, in October, he won his first um, white tie kickboxing cool. championship. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, that, and that was like after one training camp. Wow. You know, going, going through, I think, 10 weeks with me, you know. And, uh, and <clears throat> the coolest thing that <clears throat> he said to me, uh, after he won his title was uh, not that he performed better, not that he felt better. Like he looked me in the face and he's like, my life is better having met you. You know? And I was like, well, damn, that's what that's it's all like, about right there. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's yeah. the I'm product, like, well, right? Damn, like we, like yeah. we have a belt and now I just made somebody's life better. So there's not much more that I could no. ask for, you know? So yeah, for sure. Really happy with that. That's it. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Greg, same thing to you. How's positive coaching impacted you as a coach in your athlete's performance? I think um, just the relationship piece. Uh, when when young people find out that you really do care about them, that it's not just words, yep. I think that there's a deeper commitment level on their part. I think that there's more trust from them. So, uh I went through the the positive coaching program in 2016 and 17. And while I was finishing up, I actually transitioned from one school to another um, in, in Kansas and just said, you know, what a great opportunity for me to put into practice everything that we've been learning. Right. So yeah. um, had been there for, for summer workouts for about a month. And I got a text from, um, a, a player who had really been overlooked on the football team. He was going to be a junior and great big kid, not in good shape, uh, had, had always been kind of seen as soft and um, maybe even underachieving and, you know, just things like that. And uh, he sent me a text and he said, you know, uh, it, it's just so different for us to have a coach who loves all of us, not just the seniors. Um Holy cow, you know, that, that was a big moment for me to, to understand that this stuff really does work um, and, and that it was working. And so I was at that school for two years. We won district championship both years, won the playoff game for the first time in, in 20 or 25 years at that wow. school. Um, 
then it worked. So then my wife got a great opportunity. Um, she was offered a, an incredible job in Colorado Springs. And I hated to leave because I had a great situation where I was in southwestern Kansas. But she had followed me around for my career for 15 years. So it was time for me to be a good teammate. Um, you know, and I think that goes into the program as well. Uh, yeah. So it, it was really humbling for me because um, I applied for a job in Colorado Springs as a head football coach, and I didn't get the job. And with a lot of success that I had had, that was that was pretty frustrating for me. But, you know, you learn how to deal with adversity and, and what are you going to do about it? So uh, I had to scramble and find a teaching job. And in the middle of the summer, in the middle of moving from Kansas to Colorado Springs, I was offered an English teaching position. And um, on the second day of school, um, one of the other English teachers, great big school, over 1,600 students. So um, one of the other English teachers walked into my classroom after school, and he was on the football staff as an assistant coach. And he said, hey, we heard that you have done some football coaching and we need someone. Are you willing to give it a look? So went out and met the head coach and um, had to really swallow my pride because this was the exact same job that I had applied for. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to coach, you know, that it, it's yeah. what we want out of this deal. So they were kind enough to let me come on. I was the assistant to the uh, defensive backs coach, which after being a head coach for 20 years, wow. again, had to really swallow my pride. Yeah. And I had to remind myself that it's not about me. Um, it's never about me. And it's, it's about what can I do for the program? What can I do for the kids? And so immediately I had to start building relationships with the, the players on the team, with the coaches on the team. And, uh, you know, how can I take what I learned in our positive coaching? And even though I'm not the head coach, how can I make the program better through all of that? Um, it, now those coaches are like some of my best friends and I was only with them for one year and some of the players still contact me and, and talk about, you know, um, just the impact that, that I was fortunate enough to, to have on them. So um, when a new job came open, an opportunity to transition out of English, so I'm not grading essays all the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I probably could have stayed where I was and been pretty happy for a long time. Um, but I believe that my calling is to be a head coach and I was ready to get out of the English classroom. So when my new opportunity came up, um, I think those of us who went through the program, I think that we probably carry ourselves a little bit differently in a job interview. And I think yeah. that our answers um, carry so much weight. So um, the program has had an impact on me personally, but also I've had all sorts of success Um helped young people to achieve things. And that's where I am now is a new opportunity to do that. It's awesome. Love it. I love it. I love it. I, um, kind of similar, but I was a head coach for four years at, uh, at my alma mater, the, the school I went to high school at. And, um, and we had pink slips and I was pushed all around the district and, mm -hmm. um, and then I became an assistant coach at Bella Vista and, um, and, you know, and to a guy who had this massively huge long-term successful program and I'm the assistant coach and I have all these ideas and things. And I just had to, he's like, you know, I just basically shut up for a little while and just swallowed my pride a little bit. Cause I was building something over there, but he was awesome. A very, he's a guy that went through the program with us and he's a naturally a positive coach, great mentor for me. And I learned a lot from him. And, um, and then when he stepped down, I took over, but, um, it's just a different role. Right. And, um, 
at first we didn't really have a lot of role clarity because, <laughs> you know, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but like you said, I got to know the athletes so well, built those relationships, their parents, the families, the school as a teacher on campus. So, um, we worked really well together and, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And then now being a head coach, it's, I love it. It's great. And he's still helping with everything, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to step this change those roles from head coach to assistant and then head, head coach again, you know, just learning and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good experience. It's all a good experience. So I, and the kind of the central theme on all this is that idea again of just being vulnerable and being able to listen and learn and yeah. what is my role and what do I do. So when, when Mike stepped down at Bella Vista, his son was an eighth grader for me last year. I coached all three of his kids. And um, since he didn't have anything to do, he was coming and helping in our room. He was there almost every day. Um, and he knows more technique than I would ever hope to know in, in my life. <laughs> and I think 10 years ago, if that would have happened, I would have had a hard time with that. Now, knowing how to like know what your role is you have an asset here use it and just and he'd be worried about stepping on the toes like no you can stop practice anytime you want teach whatever you want you you know what you're talking about i trust you i know you're not trying to it's not about egos it's not you trying to step in and do something it's us working together to make the kids have a better experience yeah what's the bigger picture here right what's best for the kids not what i'm the guy in charge or whatever you know right so um that's so good i love those you guys this is really i can't wait to go back and re-listen to this and take notes on everything (laughs) (laughs) all right good because now you're up to ask another question um all right koenig your turn um if you were going to talk to someone who is getting involved with coaching first year coach and um you know i'm if you could give them any advice at all, and hopefully they would listen to you, but if you could give a new coach any advice at all, what, what would your advice be to anybody getting involved in coaching or maybe a young person right now who's going to watch and they want to get involved in coaching? What advice would you give them? And maybe even for yourself, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice, something like that, right? So um, I think, first of all, I would say that um, coaching is probably the most rewarding career that I can imagine. Uh, many years ago, like 1997, 98, uh, my wife was working full-time uh, in a bank and she was also serving as the, the uh, cheerleading sponsor. And we had three children. I was head football coach, head basketball coach in this small school. And it was taking a, a, a huge ah. toll on our, our relationship. So we gave up all extracurriculars. And I just taught for a year and and she just did the banking. And um, at the end of that year, she said, it's pretty clear you need to to get back into coaching. So her (laughs) uncle had been a head coach for over 30 years. And I called him up. I just have great respect for him. And I think that's that's part of the thing that I would tell people is you have to have some mentors. You have to have some people that you can turn to and bounce things off of. Um, So I just called him up and I said, listen, I'm thinking about getting back into coaching. But I, I just know, don't know if this, what's your advice? And he said something that has stuck with me that I've never forgotten. He said, if you can be happy not coaching, don't coach. Wow. And it, I mean, it hit me right between the eyes. You know, <laughs> this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to do. So that'd be the first thing is that, that coaching is a calling, that, that it's not just a job, that there's so much more to it. Um, second thing I would say, it's not about you. It is about your athletes. It is about 
not even their success, but but teaching them how to be responsible and productive members of society. Um, that that opportunity, we we just can't overlook the responsibility that that, that comes with that. Um, and I'm reminded so frequently of things. And when I was listening to Matt speak earlier, um, he talked about how positive coaching can almost be a misleading term. Yeah. Um, and I remember being shocked in, in one of Dr. O's classes. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but I remember writing down three bullet points. And the first one was, it is unacceptable to lose. Because again, I was thinking, okay, positive coaching. But I've never forgotten that. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we berate kids who lose or, you know, that, that we throw our hat or whatever the case is. But until we have that mindset, we don't get everything out of ourselves and, and the athletes that we're coaching. So that should be a built-in mindset for all of us that, that it is unacceptable to lose. But there's a certain way to go about teaching that. And that leads me into the second bullet point that I remember from that class. It was that um, it is unacceptable to give anything less than a perfect effort. And if you start to put those two things together, you know, then we can get kids to, to push, to, to reach their, their maximum potential. Um, A couple of years ago, we got a new athletic director when, when I was a head football coach and he gathered all the head coaches in the building. And the very first thing he said in the meeting was, um, you will be evaluated on your ability to get your team or your athletes to outperform their potential. And for the first 30 seconds, I thought, well, that's not fair. It, we, what are you asking from us? And then I thought, that's exactly what you should be asking from <laughs> us. So I think that that's a, that's a piece of advice for young coaches that um, success and this is a John Wooden thing, it is a peace of mind that comes from, that results from knowing that we did our best to become the best we can become. And sometimes potential is a really negative thing because potential, I have a coaching friend who used to, to tell our athletes all the time, potential is ability at rest. Um, so <laughs> we say, okay, this kid has great potential, but yeah. it, it's meaningless until we, get them at least to that potential. But the most rewarding experiences that I've had as a coach are when kids have outperformed their potential, whether it be individually or collectively as a team. Um, I guess, you know, I would wrap that up then with, if I were discussing sitting down face-to-face with, with a coaching candidate, a young person who's considering this, this career path. um, Again, it's the most rewarding, thing that you'll ever do, yep. but you have to do it the right way. I would remind them again, it's not about you. It will always be about your kids. And when you learn that it is relationally based, yep. um, when you truly pour yourself into kids, they will do amazing things for you. And uh, one of the things that I was really humbled in, in going through all the courses was um, even if a kid gives up, I can't give up on that child. Um, There are just, it took me way beyond just coaching and it's made me a better teacher. It's made me a better parent and a better grandparent, a better husband. Um, So I would encourage any coach to, to really look at um, 
even if it's not this program, you know, inside out coaching, 3D coaching, similar programs, and uh, make sure that you're in it for the right reason. The why it always has to be at the front of our mind. Um, And just if we can do that, then we're going to serve young people the best way possible. You know, you just maybe this thought popped into my head as we use that word positive um, and understanding if we're looking like, why are we doing it? And could you be happy not doing this? Or is it about you that it can be very positive and it can be life-changing for our athletes, our kids, but we can do just as much damage. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. If if we're transactional and not relational, the damage that's done is a lifetime of damage to kids. You know, I have, I can say really I only had one really negative experience with a coach growing up, but it sticks with me. That, that moment sticks with me as a coach. Like I'll never treat anybody like that. I will never act that way with somebody. Um, because if that's all the time, think of all the damage you're doing over that amount of time. So anyway, I, I cut yeah, in there, but I had to get I had that one of thought out Portland. Yeah. When I was in school, had had a very negative experience with a coach who, yeah, was abusive. And, and so it, yep. it is a good reminder um, for why I do the things that I do and, and the way that I do them. I Same, same thing with me. I had a coach who um, – I vowed to never act like that or talk to my athletes like that ever. So I learned what not to do. Right. And I had other coaches who taught me some of the things to do. Right. And then kind of molded and shaped me. And, and I did catch myself early in my career. And one of the things that the, the, this program uh, at Mizzou changed with me was I noticed that I was kind of replicating and teaching in the ways in which I was coached myself mm-hmm. and um, there's so many little things that I was doing that I thought were right just because that's how I was coached. You that's know all you I mean? knew. It was just normal, right? That's what I did. And I, you know, kind of like checked myself and was vulnerable and was willing to change and listen. And I was like admitted, you know, a lot of stuff and accepted it and, and learned and grew and gotten changed. And I don't do a lot of things that I used to do early in my career <laughs> but with, with like talking with kids or maybe like teasing them or whatever it is, you know? And um, just a lot of little things. I don't do those anymore. It just, I, cause I understand. And, um, and someone on here, I can't remember which guy was talking about it, but building those relationships with every single athlete and you care about every single athlete, regardless if they're the starter or the backup or the first year person in your program and getting to know them. Cause you never know, you never know if that's the opportunity or if that's the, you know, for me, like I never know if, every conversation I have with, a, with any kid, I never know if that's the opportunity or the moment that I'm going to motivate them or change them. Right. That could be it. I don't know. That could be it in their mind. That could be the opportunity. So respecting every moment and opportunity I have with a, with a, with a kid, with an athlete to try and help him or her. Cause I coach girls as well. And, um, you just never know. And then, you know, we've had kids starters get hurt. And then, so the, the next kid steps up. Right. And if I hadn't cared and nurtured that child ever, and I ignored them, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, Koenig? Like, hey, like, you're the man. You know what I mean? Like, hey, like, what? Like, all of a sudden, I treat them differently, you know? Yep. Um, treat everybody the same and with respect, regardless of, like, if they're the star or not the star, right? Or if they're learning or not. So um, that's good stuff. I'm just – and I'm just speaking my mind what's about <laughs> these guys were kind of <laughs> made me think about it. But, um, yeah, it's good stuff, you guys. I'm loving this so far. This is great. This is great. Matt, Matt, what would your advice be to a young coach? Yeah. So I think um, if I was going to speak to a young coach, 
uh, just starting out or, <clears throat> or just wanting to build a program, um, the first thing that I would say is, you know, <clears throat> it's common, like we've said it on the on this podcast so far, like, you know, I coach fighters, you guys coach wrestlers, coach Conan coaches, football players, but we really don't. We coach people. Yep. Right? I love it. Right, right. We coach people. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> who just happened to play those sports? <laughs> right. And the best thing that a coach can do is get to know your athletes as individuals. Right. Yep. And what their drives are and what their motivations are and what, how, <clears throat> how they learn and how they are motivated and how they are, you know, are they intrinsically motivated? Are they extrinsically motivated? And there's nothing wrong with either of them. <laughs> like maybe they want like, you know, five minutes less or, you know, 10 minutes less of conditioning if something else goes correctly. There's, there's nothing wrong with doing it every once in a while if for, you know, a half hour or, or whatever, they're going to give their absolute best. So if that means they give their absolute best and you cut practice by, by five minutes, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, you know, you greet someone in the best way possible. And that's that's what our job is, to make our, to make that impact on someone. So mm-hmm. later on in their, in their life, you know, when they're business people, when they have to go to an office, you know, <clears throat> When they have to have families, like they say, oh, this is, uh, you know, this is remarkably similar to how, <laughs> you know, of what happened when Coach Matt was coaching me, or like, or that they, they could raise their kids, you know, <clears throat> with some of the lessons that we taught them. And then we create that ripple effect. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and once that ripple effect happens, that's how. You know, not to go all, all um, Gandhi on you guys, but that's like that's how the world changes for the better, right? Like, everybody always talks about like, especially today, like how you know how bad things are in the world. Well, it, it all starts with one better interaction with someone. Yep. Right? One better interaction starts to change the world, and then like <clears throat> once we get that snowball rolling. Right, there's no stopping it, right? But that all starts with learning that you know our athletes are people, and they are not just means to an end, right? Like going back to that that young man that I coach, like uh, if if you go, um, there's a testimonial on my on my website, and like one of the things that he says is that. that, you know, Matt legitimately cares for me as a person and as a friend, right? Um, th- that's a big deal for me, right? That's a big deal for me because, yes, I want <laughs> I want the title. <laughs> I want the championship belt, right? I make no bones saying that one day I want to be known as one of the best coaches in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I want it. <laughs> to be done in a way that not only did I have success, you know, in the win call, like coach said, like when Dr. O said like that, 
winning is vitally important or whatever that, that phrase was. I can't remember uh, verbatim, but <laughs> I was like, once I got like that first interaction with Dr. O, I was like, I'm home, baby. Like, <laughs> like this guy gets it. Like winning is important. And like, you have to be a good person. Time me up. <laughs> but it's not, <laughs> but it's not until, <laughs> but the good person piece has to become, has to come before the yep. winning piece. Yep. Or, or be built in tandem with that. Yep. Right. I want you to win because I care about you because I know what winning can do for you. Right? Like the lessons learned, <clears throat> what struggling through, what fighting through that adversity and doing things that other people aren't willing to do. <laughs> like what that will teach you in life. It's oh. not about, it's not yeah. about the trophy. Yeah. It's not, it's not about all that stuff, but it's what <clears throat> this journey of winning a state title, <clears throat> winning a world title, all that stuff, what it will do for you in the future, right? And if I allow you to quit, you're going to quit out of everything else in the rest of your life, right? So getting... I agree, yep. Getting to know those people as people and pushing the right buttons, right? To be able to to overcome those self-limiting beliefs, right? Of achieving more than they ever thought they would that's the thing that's going to change your life. It's not a, like, you know, it's that pro, like going through that process of <clears throat> setting a goal and achieving it. Like we have the ability to do something that like only a small percentage of people on this earth who aren't coaches will ever do with somebody else. <clears throat> Nobody else besides coaches really teaches you about goal setting and goal attainment. <laughs> how to and how to do it how by doing how to what? do it and how to do it and how to maximize your potential yeah so get to know your athletes get to know them as people get to know their life situations once you know their life situations that's where the winning and the process starts to develop and to you know really you start to get the fruit the fruit of the labor comes from the harvest of getting to know your athlete. Right. I agree. And what, what a great opportunity that we have as coaches to create that positive ripple effect, right? Oh I mean, my what God. a great That's opportunity that we have. I mean, and if we don't take advantage of that opportunity, then what are we doing? Right. Why are we doing it? Seriously? Right? Like, like not to go on a, <clears throat> on a tangent or a tirade, but like, I just know from, from being in, in my gym every day and mm-hmm. training, you know, with my training partner, it's like, man, I look around and, there, and there, there's, you know, there's Caucasian people, there's black people, there, there's Muslim, there's Christian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and for that, for that hour or however long it is, nobody, cares. nobody cares. Yep. Nobody cares. It's just people working towards the goal. Yep. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that is the most uh, impactful thing in life. Right. Um, and, and it's the most unique thing because the minute that we leave our, our training facility or, or with coach, like one, once they leave, they leave the field, like then life happens to them, right? Then life happens to them. But it's the bond that's built on the surface where they have other people that are like, who cares? 
Who cares? I know you. I know your heart. I know what you're about, right? <clears throat> and we don't get we don't get that in, in an office. We don't get that in a workplace, okay? Like like <laughs> like in in a work in a work environment, like not to be ultra negative, but like a lot of times you feel like a drone, right? You just show up and, and you do your job and then, and then you leave and you get up and you do it all over again, right? There, there's no, there's not that collaborative effort of <clears throat> making things better. But as coaches, we see that every day because we need our teammates, we need our training partners to get better. It's one person sacrificing for another, right? <clears throat> Selfishly, right? That, that doesn't happen anywhere else in life. Besides athletics. Right. Absolutely. Unique opportunity. Unique. All right. Is this a, oh, we have two questions left, right? Yeah. Two? We're going, we're going back to back on you again, Matt. You cool. ready? I'm ready. Who's your best role model or inspiration in your life and why? Oh man. Hard one, huh? Uh, <laughs> I, it, to be honest, like it's, it's tough because, um, like I've kind of gotten to the point where <clears throat> I don't look for other people like for inspiration. Uh, <clears throat> like a lot of times I look for like guidance or, you know, like just a little bit of, <clears throat> of a hand up, <laughs> but um, you know, um, and sometimes I feel like mentors, mentors are, are seasonal, right? Like they come into your life, when you need them and then they're not they're not always there all the time but uh you know dr o was it's certainly one of those people right all, who, all heads are nodding right now yeah, so people are listening now dr or was phenomenal phenomenal right, who, who has made a tremendous impact on me yep. but um honestly like one guy that i always point to and i guess you could say that um I guess you could say he's an inspiration <laughs> if uh, you want to use that term. But <clears throat> there's a wrestling and judo coach in Rhode Island. His name is Serge Boiso. And uh, his athletes are, are top-level athletes in both wrestling and judo. Um, they win state titles all the time. Uh, he's got some Olympic hopefuls. And they train hard. They <laughs> hard and there's a big time um, work ethic and output from them but Serge is also the type of guy like he has legitimately adopted a lot of his athletes like they are his kids like officially his kids they carry wow that's incredible they carry his last name because what he's done is he takes a lot of these kids that are at risk youth and From the time they were very young, he works with them, he molds them, and <clears throat> he's just such a a giving, kind-hearted, big-hearted individual. But at the same time, like he is a taskmaster <laughs> master when it comes to culture. And <clears throat> he is, you know, very much like like Dr. Orr <clears throat> in the fact that. It shows that you can be a relentless coach. You can demand a lot of your people. Like you can demand a lot of your <clears throat> of your athletes, as long as 
in the end, you show them that you care for them. Like as long as, as long as that, that title isn't the means to, to an end. Like as long as when you get off the, the mat or off the field or off the, you know, off the playing surface, the court, <clears throat> as long as you show, like, even if the results didn't go your way, you're still, you're still my guy. You're still my girl. Like, like, you know, like. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. That, that I agree. you care. Like, and there, there's <clears throat> kind of like what we were saying before the, the podcast started, like, like with, with Dr. Orr, like it's okay to demand a lot from people. It, like he demanded a lot out of all of us. Right. But I remember <clears throat> I told you guys, like, uh, <laughs> I told you guys that I did the, the positive coaching masters in a year. So I, I think I was at like, like 12 or 15 credits a semester or something like that. That's what Dana and I did it in three semesters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, in the middle of that, um, my step grandfather passed away. Oh yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, I was just, I was burnt. <laughs> at the end of at the end of I think like my second to last semester, the fall semester, I was burnt and like I had to go to Dr. O, you know, obviously through email because I'm in Pennsylvania and he's in Missouri. <laughs> and uh but I was like I'm like Dr. O and I you know, I he had known everything that was going on beforehand because we had that type of relationship. But I was like, Man, I'm burnt out, right? And I'm like, I'm feeling it. And, you know, he said to me, he was like, you know, I'm burnt out too. He's like, I bit off a little more than I could chew this semester because he was doing like a ton of stuff. And I coach remembers Coach Conan. Like mm-hmm. he had started doing like fundraising for different for different things for, for the positive coaching uh, program. And like he was trying to get grants, I think, and, and all that stuff. And he's like, dude, I, I'm burnt out too. And like, you know, he threw like a virtual arm around me and he was like, listen, he's like, you're good. You know what you're doing. He's like, just get through it. He's like, <laughs> he's like, your work is exceptional. Like, and it's not going to get any less exceptional just because you're going through hard stuff. But, <clears throat> but the cool thing for me was that while for most of it, like while I looked at Dr. O as this like, you know, tough guy, like drill sergeant type of dude, like, you know, he, there was that moment for us, like where he let his guard down and he was like, listen, he's like, it's not always real easy for me either. Like, I don't want to pretend that, that I'm something that I'm not. And once he said that, once he, he reiterated that it's tough for him, I'm like, well, well, if it's tough for the guy teaching the class, like, you know, obviously it's going to be tough for me, right? So, I mean, I think, like, those uh, – I think Serge and Dr. O are, like, two of the guys that I really look up to because, like I said, you could you could be as tough as you want, but you still got to show people that you're vulnerable. You still got to show people that you care. You still got to show people that you're human, I think a lot of times we want to, we as coaches, like 
we want to we want to always pretend that we walk around with our with our capes on and that nothing can bother us, right? Honestly, like one of the biggest blessings of my my disability and my disability is a blessing is that um, <clears throat> I lost for ten years, right? I was a competitive athlete and I lost for ten years, and in the gym I lose a lot, you know. I, <clears throat> I get <clears throat> a lot but my students are able to see that I get beat right they're able to see so I can't hide behind some accomplishment or some title or you know some uh made up past that I might have where I'm like I'm this infallible person right I'm not infallible I'm I'm incredibly fallible <laughs> I'm incredibly fallible and I get upset when I lose and they have to watch me deal with these emotions, you know, in real time. And then I could say, you know, I know where you are. I understand where you are because I'm there every day. <laughs> I'm there every day. <laughs> I'm just there for a different reason because, you know, a large majority of my body doesn't work. But, like, I, under I, un I still understand the frustration and the pain that you're feeling just in a different way. But let's right. get through this. You know, yeah. Um, hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, real quick, I'll keep this super short, but um, similar thing. Uh, in our first semester, we we're taking three classes, and by the way, I was thinking we did it in four semesters, right? Not three, but um, right. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. um, uh, I was gonna say three semesters. Yeah, we in the last like, semester, <laughs> yeah the last semester we only picked a one class, so it felt like it yeah, was, that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. Anyways, on our first semester, we had uh, what one or two classes with Doctor Or I can't remember, but um, we had one, one but it was crushing. Instruction <laughs> <laughs> models, every anyways. Instruction models, yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife got diagnosed with cancer, and I um, with leukemia out of the blue. We basically had to leave home for like six months. She had to go to Stanford. We had to get an apartment. Was, she had to get a bone marrow transplant. It was insane, insane. Two young kids at home, and. Um, I remember I emailed Dr. Orr from the hospital. I was like, hey, this is what just happened. Um, I told my wife I was going to drop out of the program, and she told me to suck it up. Yeah. So I was like, fuck, <laughs> I almost cussed. But um, I was like, I can't just drop out now. And then, um, But his empathy and his how he worked with me yeah. and how he spoke to me, um, I'm not going to repeat what he said because it's probably inappropriate. But, um, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But his empathy, and he he reached out to my other professors at the time for me, and yeah. um, he let. I mean, it was phenomenal. And even after the semester ended, um, he had me skip a construction model. He emailed me like during this little window because he was still asking me how she was doing and everything, and updating yeah. him. And um, and I truly didn't think it was fake. I like I know that it was true. Like he truly sure. yeah, didn't yeah. care. It wasn't fake at all. But um, he's like, hey, you know, you never turn in that construction model. I really want you to turn turn it in now. Right. And this was like this was like around Christmas time and it was like the semester's over and all this stuff. And he's like, Yeah, just turn it into me by like Saturday or something, whatever it was. I was like, man, I was on break. So I sent it to him. I sent it to him and um and he replied like he did with highlighting my things and responding and he wrote paragraphs and it was just that he truly did care about me and he was phenomenal, you know what I mean? And um so similar to, to like you and just working with me and, and it really helped me understand about working with my athletes if they're going through stuff, just working with them, right? Like let's and my yeah, my, I mean, my, like, my students yeah. well, like I have a ton of students who 
I do that for them now. Like if they're going through stuff at home, um, I'm working with them. I'm like, hey, don't turn it in. Don't worry about it. We'll just get to that later. Let's focus on like. Yeah, and like you know, the other the other thing with life. that is too, like like you can learn and 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 what I've learned is too, it's not always about letting somebody off the hook, right? <laughs> yeah. Like like it's still demand. It's still he's so demanding. Yeah, it's still demanding and it's still expecting stuff from them, but maybe not in the time frame that yeah you needed it. And I don't right. think he knows better. I don't know. I don't think he knows better. We saw a, a podcast he was on and listened to it. And he said he has a fear of mediocrity, right? That's like well, his biggest fear in life. He's got that, uh, he's got that quote tattooed on his side. And it was like, um, oh, man, something like, like, like fear of mediocrity is a pyron that invades like your whole your whole body or something i, I have to go but i have it saved somewhere but he but he's like hey he's like i got that tattooed on my ribs and i'm wow. like of course, of course you do yeah of course, <laughs> of course. you have that tattooed on your ribs sorry i just got excited because he was a, such a positive influence on all of us and we, i'm yeah. sure we all could go on and it's sure. just a similar story but uh 100 percent. but um you know <clears throat> just knowing that you're at that your athletes are people you know, yep and yep. and taking the time to, to acknowledge that you know sometimes life happens to them. Yep. Right. By the way, my wife is good. She beat cancer. I don't know if you saw her. Fantastic, man. You saw yeah, her in a little earlier, but um, fantastic. She's, um, she's kicking butt right now. So yeah. just I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. Oh, no. <laughs> Find out but next yeah. episode what happened. <laughs> um, Greg, do you have a inspiration role model? Maybe growing yeah, up, like I guess. I could go on and on. Uh, yep. When I was a young coach, I read everything I could get my hands on from uh, John Wooden. So, cool. so he's been very inspirational for me. And, and really, um, you know, when you're a young coach, you could do a whole lot worse than to get your hands on on anything that, that Coach Wooden wrote. Um, Absolutely. Currently, I spend a lot of time. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Focus3.com. Um, mm-hmm. Tim Kite and Brian Kite, they, they have pretty strong – social media presence. Um, they, they were behind Urban Meyer turning around Ohio State when he first got there. He mm. brought them in and, and uh, just their whole mindset, E plus R equals O, any event plus your response equals the outcome. So uh, I get daily um, devotional from Tim Kite, the father. He does a, a spiritual devotional through the Bible, very, very solid biblical teaching. And then Brian Kite is all about discipline. Right now, he, his whole theme is discipline is the shortcut, do the work. So, um, man, anyone who's looking for, you know, anything in the spiritual realm or anything in the, the discipline motivational realm, look into focus3.com, look into Brian Kite, Tim Kite. Those guys are amazing. And, and uh, if you're willing to just take it in and apply it, and quit making excuses and, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself. Realize that the, the world's tough for everyone. Um, they're, they're very valuable. So uh, I could go on or not. I've had so many people when, when uh, Matt was talking about the ripple effect, um, my, my football mentor, the guy who has taught me everything I know about the offense that we run is, is uh, coach Hugh Wyatt, coach Wyatt.com. Uh, but it's not just football. 
He has taught me how to be a good coach in so many different ways. And his ripple effect is absolutely amazing. I tell him that fairly frequently. I'm just amazed by the fraternity of coaching brothers that, that he has created. And I have so many relationships just because of his influence in my coaching career. So again, I could go on and on, but those are some, some very important ones for me. You know, I, the idea of a fraternity of, of coaches or even a sorority, I guess. Um, one of the things I think I'm, I'm, I love about our program more than anything, or it's in the top three at least. And this is about Mike Lee, who just, he built a community. If you look at Garrett's coaching staff, most of those coaches, either their kids went through our program or they went through our program and they come back to us and want to coach in our program. My assistant coach was my captain when he was in, in eighth grade. And seriously, and I, coached I coached him too. His yeah. Team. And yep. he probably makes more, I'm sure he makes more money than I do. Oh, for sure he does. <laughs> you know, he's in his <laughs> mid twenties. He's got his real estate license, but he comes back because he loves working with the program, working with the kids. And if we've had that ripple effect on people that want to come yep. back and do that, that, you know, it's, it's about adults and kids. It's, it's a community and it's that, that difference that you can make in a, in a community overall. It's so rewarding. It's our, our best kept secret. That's hard to get people to understand, but that's. Yep. And it's uh, one way you can measure it. It's one yeah. way to measure it, right? What you're doing when you see that, that alumni that return, that sport, those relationships. And we do, Dana and I do a fundraiser together one a year and, um, we just ask for all the alumni and families to come help. And you'll see, we see parents, I mean, who haven't had kids in our program for decades, pretty much. And um, gosh, they dedicate hours and hours and hours to help us with our fundraiser still. Those kids come back. I mean, it's, it's really cool just to see that community come together. And yeah. I mean, we have, we have five high schools within like four miles of us. And um, I mean, in our school, has, I have 2,100 kids at my high school. I mean, so there's a lot of kids and, it's like our, our school is the only, I feel like we're the only one of the ones that have that community right, anywhere yeah. remotely close to where we're at. It's just a really cool experience. And, and Mike Lee is the one that built that up at Bella Vista. And, you know, it's, it, I feel honored to be able to continue that and be a part and, of it at all. So. And if you continue that ripple effect off of, of Mike Lee and, and Charlie Lee was a coach at Bella Vista when I went to Bella Vista too, and, and they're not related, but Mike was coached under him and learned from him. And he kind of, when he came back and, and took over that job later on after a other, few other people had destroyed the program um, or yeah, let yeah. it dwindle, I guess I would say. Um, back to generations when we were in high school, it still had that ripple effect on us to build some things back up. Yep. All right, Garrett, you got the last and most difficult question. This is the one we ask every time we do this, every time we okay, interview. So uh, Dana and I were, I love hot wings so much and so does he. And I'm very critical. So I want to know best hot wings you guys have ever had. Whoever wants to go first or your favorite this hot wings. It's right actually now. pretty easy. My wife makes the best. Uh, easy in the world. I'm, I'm not kidding. Uh, my <laughs> wife takes great care of my coaching staff. So on Saturdays when we um, get together and, and we're building our game plan and everything, she will feed us. And the coaching staff would just beg. Could, could you have her make those? <laughs> oh, um, I'm on my way to Colorado right now. <laughs> incredible. So, yeah. Nice. Matt? Oh, man. Uh, there's a there's actually a lot of good places, but there's a uh, there's a place in, like, a couple miles down the road from me. Uh, it's called Smiler's Bar and Grill. And they actually – I don't even know if you guys would know this, but – it's big in the Northeast. Do you guys know what Porchetta is? 
No. Superior pork. Uh, it's just a way of seasoning pork. Oh. But, but they do porchetta uh, hot wings, which are, are really, really good. Um, but, um, yeah, I would have to, I would have to say Smilers has some, some really good wings. I'm, I'm a big fan, but I'm a big fan of wings in general. So. <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm so bad because I'll go to a place. I always, my wife always tells me not to order them anymore because yeah. if I'm so, I'll like get, get so disappointed and sad if they're not good. <laughs> I actually don't know if there's a wing that I dislike though, to be honest oh, with you. Yeah. It, there are some that are like, it just makes of like that it hurts my heart, you know what I mean? Because I was looking at both. <laughs> so, um, uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I love wings. I love wings. Definitely. So. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We were, we were, I actually brought this idea up to Garrett about a, a month ago when I was sitting w- watching some fights and on Twitter and I texted him and said, Hey, what would you think about us getting some people from the program together and, and doing a podcast with them? And he's like, love it. So um, we started working on it and putting it together. So I, I really appreciate you guys uh, spending time with us and, and giving your, your information and, and your beliefs to our kids and our families. Cause they're, sure. they're just rock solid. Thank you guys so much. All about, we appreciate it. I would love to hook up with you guys again um, on this sometime in the future and um, with some more questions and you guys could ask us questions too. Um, And if you guys are ever in NorCal, um, the better half of California, by the way, (laughs) um, reach out to us. You'll have a free place to stay, all that. You know what I mean? So uh, anything at all, anything at all. So uh, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for for the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's been great, guys. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for opening up and sharing. And I feel like I feel like we could do this for hours and hours. Oh, and probably. Could. Yeah, probably. Could. Forever. And uh, <laughs> it's so cool to hear from other coaches, especially other disciplines, but they're all similar, you know what I mean? And yeah. they have such similar experiences and thoughts. And it's just really cool to, to have us kind of reconnect, a little alumni uh, get-together type of thing. So thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank all you. right, guys. M-I-Z. Really M-I-Z. 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 <laughs> hey, take it easy, you guys. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Take care.